Hey guys, welcome back to Classic Sundays. Uh, this week we are watching 12 Monkeys, uh, which is a 1995 film. Um, I'm here with Lena today, and it's just Lena and Chantel today. Um, hi. Hi. This movie was about uh, how it, was, it fit to the time travel theme. So the synopsis was... Traveling back in time isn't simple, as James Cole or Bruce Willis learns the hard way. So imprisoned in the 2030s, James is recruited for a mission that will send him back to the 1990s. Once there, he's supposed to gather information about a plague that's about to exterminate the vast majority of the world's population. But aside from the manic, or the manic Jeffrey, or Brad Pitt, he gets little in the way of cooperation, not least from medical gatekeepers like Dr. Catherine Raley or Madeline Stowe. So this was my pick slash really it was mostly Brad's pick um, for this month, um, fitting to the time travel theme. Um, overall, hands down, I felt like Brad Pitt did a phenomenal job acting in this movie. He was um, basically like a mental patient um, at one point in the 1990s. Uh, but ultimately, like his dad was like some rich guy and um, he had mental issues. So that's why he was sent um, to the uh, mental, mental institute. Um, but he played a very very convincing character um so much so that you spoilers obviously if you're listening to this podcast um you would think that he was actually the villain and that he was the one that um released the virus because they keep referring back to back to 12 monkeys, which was the, um, the so-called cult that the future scientists in the 2030s were asking, um, they were asking uh, James Cole, our main character to go back and discover. So he was very, very focused on looking for the 12 monkeys um, when in actuality, it wasn't the 12 monkeys that released the virus. They just released animals from the zoo. Um, but it was released by one of uh, Jeffrey Goins's uh, dad's partners. And in the airport at the end of the movie. Um, and so, like I said, he played a very convincing role. Um However, I felt like the movie dragged a bit for me, and I thought it could have been completed faster. Mm -hmm. um, it did make me have to think, and it definitely hit that time travel note we were looking for this month. Um, but the ending confused me a bit. Um, so just for our audience, the ending, um, as I had mentioned, it wasn't the 12 monkeys that released the virus. Um, we had our main character, uh, James Cole and, um, Dr. Catherine Raley in an airport and they 
thought that the virus was over, that they had figured it out. Um, he called the phone one last time. He told them um, who did it. And uh, like that was that was the end of it. They thought um, as they're going through the airport, though, they recognize the uh, one of the one of Jeffrey Goins's dad's like scientist friends, buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> they recognize that he has some type of weird suitcase. Of course, the virus is in the suitcase. So then they try to stop him. Um, within that phone call that James Cole gives, he's like, screw you guys. Like, you know, like once I'm going to tell you who did it and then like, I'm, I'm out of here. Like I want to live a normal life because he had fallen in love, of course, with the heroine of the story, Catherine Riley. And, um, he gets shot in the airport because the future scientists of the 2030s don't like it. Um, like that he's trying to like stray from the mission and stay in the past. Um, and all while this is happening, his younger self is watching it and the, uh, dad scientist buddy gets away. And, um, as the security is checking the bag, they're like, what's in the bag? And he's like, let me show you. And he opens the vial in the airport and lets the guy smell it. Of so. Of course. So it was confusing to me um, because the virus was never actually eradicated. Um, There is one more scene that ends where you see one of the 2030s, like future scientists, like in the airplane now with the dad scientist friend. Um, And she's like sitting there and like introduces herself to him. But then, like, it ends. So it was confusing to me because I was like, I, I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't feel like the mission of getting ready, rid of the virus was a success. And I don't know. But, but maybe that was the point. Maybe we were supposed to hang on and be confused. Um, but overall, I felt like the acting in this movie was very good. Specifically, again... Brad Pitt. Which is funny you say that because I think the only movie I've ever seen him in was bits and pieces of that vampire movie. Uh-huh. And Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And I've literally never seen him in anything else. Maybe, maybe, have maybe we should have a Brad Pitt month. I was going to say, I did not get to watch this movie because Alita and then me you got sick over Thanksgiving. Um, she got the stomach flu. But um, maybe I'll have to like make this more of a priority to see too. Because mm-hmm. it's funny, you, like I said, it's funny you say that because I've never actually thought of Brad Pitt really as much of an actor. <laughs> I've always seen him as more of a pretty face, but maybe that's just because I haven't really seen him in anything. Um, although it definitely sounds like the time travel is more carefully thought out than, um, well, certainly more than Austin Powers, but also <laughs> more than Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Excellent Adventure it may be, but the time travel there, super wonky. 
Yeah, agreed. Not just the but that was the point of that one. This one, this one, like had to be well thought out because of all the pieces and the moving parts and the this happened, like the butterfly effect. This happened, so now this is happening, and now this is happening. And one of my favorite theories, the butterfly effect. I love it. Um, but it that funny that it's a virus themed movie because we're still dealing with. I mean, there are people who say, oh, the pandemic's over, but, like, it isn't yeah. really. We're it still doing the, the butterfly effect, the the aftermath of. Of the whole thing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this one, this was definitely, for me, I thought it was, I it definitely kept my attention. There were pieces that were confusing in it, but not so much that. It, it didn't keep me engaged with the plot. I'm sure it would have been. I mean, any t- any movie that involves time travel, unless you're completely disregarding all laws of nature and physics and all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, any time travel movie, I feel like would have that. Like one of my favorites is um, The Time Traveler's Wife. And Oh, yeah, that one's a good one. You get that, where you get bits and pieces or, like, leftovers of his essence, basically, where it's like a memory replaying over and over and over again. And, you know, you get at the end where he's dead. He's been dead for several years, but he's still traveling back and forth in time. Um, So you get kind of that loop going on. And I feel like this sounds like it sort of addressed the kind of loops that happen with time travel too. Maybe am I hitting the? Am I even close? Yeah, there, there were, there were definitely pieces of that in this movie. Um, I was gonna also note too, um, this movie because it's time travel. It takes place in 1917. 1990, 1996, and 2035, which is not too far off from where we're at now. Um, But I don't foresee in 2035 us having an apocalypse, basically. I mean, maybe. (laughs) I mean, like, in in essence, I guess, in, in reflection of uh, what we see in movies as far as an apocalypse goes. No, no. Usually it's a lot less dramatic in that regard. I mean, COVID uh, was kind of, it was definitely up there as far as like you were going to say that something was going to take over and zombify everyone. That one was definitely up there as far as like one of the viruses that really took over. I mean, we could speak of another virus that, that certainly has zombified very, very many people, but I'll refrain. <laughs> I'll refrain. Because I think you and I both know exactly what virus we're talking about. It's not COVID-19. Uh, yeah. Um, but um, no, I, I feel like I feel like watching a movie, though, 
in today's world, you know, having lived through and still living through, uh, you know, a massive viral epidemic Mm -hmm. that just takes over pretty much the entire world. And I was reading the description and mentioned, like, if any were mental problems, things that we're dealing with today. You know, I feel like a movie like that, no matter the level of inaccuracy and guessing that got done with it, I Mm -hmm. feel like you still would watch it from a slightly different perspective than people, than the audiences of the 90s and the early 2000s would have watched it. You know, it feels like it hits home a little bit. Like, there are certain things that, to this day, like, people don't really, aren't as likely to come up to you and hug you kind of thing, you know? And yeah. I feel like there are certain things that you see in, you see in these kinds of apocalyptic movie, th- you know, stories, and it feels a little too close to home. <laughs> What, how does the internet say it? Too soon? Way too soon? <laughs> really? Well, I don't um, know. Uh, maybe I'm just rambling. No, I mean, they, they didn't, they didn't, there, there wasn't a humanity, though, necessarily, like, like, on Earth in the 2030s when they were, um, their future so to speak like it was it was literally like there was a prison and um each of the prisoners were in their own cage um and the scientists kept the prisoners away from them with like a 10-foot pole so lovely so you didn't see any like on the street in the city interaction between humans like okay it was all underground um because earth was like earth itself above ground was uh not suited for human life human life there were still animals up there but animal the animals had like issues like abnormalities and stuff like that um but they had basically animals had basically taken over uh, on land, and so like they were sending prisoners um, up in like hazmat suits to go and get samples of things and bring it back. Um, but it's like a very harsh world. Yeah, it was, but good movie. Um, but that um, I'll go into my rating. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm going to give this one. I know I mentioned it was slow, but I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. That's a high rating. I'm giving it that because of the acting. I felt like the roles that they had in this movie were done very well. But I will not... This movie does not get my 10 out of 10 because it was slow moving and it wasn't necessarily something that I like want to watch over and over and over again, but I am glad that I watched it. Okay. Um, I know you didn't necessarily get to watch this one. So you'll have to let us know your rating when you do. Yes. Yeah. Um, no rating so far, but are there not, fun facts? Not yet. 
Uh, oh, well, I guess you can kind of give, you can give it a, a rating in the sense of like your likeliness to watch it. <laughs> um, highly likely, but not this month. Gotcha. It's good. It's, uh-huh. it's Christmas movies. And like even my reading material, I made myself a promise that I'm not reading anything that is mad, depressing, or upsetting. So I'm like... <laughs> We got mysteries uh, and romance novels only for the month of December. Oh, so, we got enough winter depression. We need <laughs> all the Christmas yeah, and the holiday no, that we can. Uh, no, no, no depressing movie. No depressing books either. So no depressing movies or so hold off on this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking like February or March in the in the most depressing time. I may as well. I'll be depressed anyway. What's one more? So I gathered some fun facts for this movie. I have a couple more than my five. In fact, I have seven. Wow. I know that um, I was kind of using you as my backboard this time. You hadn't really watched the movie. So this is going to be a very short episode on for our podcast. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go through my seven. We can talk about them. Okay. And I'll I'll give my opinion on if I think this is a classic or not. Um, so um as I had mentioned, my love for Brad Pitt in this role, um, he received his first Golden Globe and an Academy Award nomination for his performance as Jeffrey Goines. Wow. Uh as rightfully so, I would say. Um, we also had a cameo from Vertigo in this film. So in the 24 hour Hitchcock theater, uh, Dr. Catherine and James are watching Vertigo from 1958, um, where she transforms herself with a blonde wig and James sees her emerge within a red light. This mirrors the exact same scene in the movie where, um, Catherine wears the same coat that Kim Novak wears in the first part of Vertigo and they kind of do like a costume switch. Huh. So I thought that that was a, a cool little like hat tip off to a previous movie on our podcast list. That is um, cool. Another one. So Terry Gillum was afraid that Brad Pitt wouldn't be able to pull off the nervous rapid speech for his role. So he sent them, he sent him to a speech coach, but in the end he just took away his cigarettes and Pitt played the part perfectly. All that expense for a speech coach, a coach and all you needed was to remove his cigarettes. Get rid of the nicotine. That's funny. Um, Terry Gilliam admitted, though, at one point that he was disappointed with the actor um, for the younger version of our main character, Jeffrey Goins. Um, Joseph Melito was the uh, actor's name. He, they, they felt that his eyes weren't expressive enough um, in the scene, in the airport scene, when he's like watching his future self die. Um, and they actually had a backup on standby in case his scenes didn't come off like the director wanted them to. <laughs> okay. Can you imagine? Like, they have that little faith in you. So they have, like, a backup on standby because they're not sure <laughs> you're going to pull it off or not. I That'd just... be so much pressure. 
a lot of pressure. And I feel like also, if you really didn't think your actor could do it or didn't like how, you know, I'll be honest, I, I have no idea what people mean with expressive eyes. I, I've never seen a movie where like, you know, everyone, there's a kitty. Everyone's like, oh, their eyes were so expressive. I'm like, I just don't see it. But maybe that's just me. Well, but... I think they wanted him to be like, uh, they ended up keeping him, obviously. Um, but when you watch it, you'll have to see. Because really, this kid doesn't have much of a role in the movie, except for that is scene. He is bad as Bel- as uh, Kristen Stewart in Twilight. Mm, I wouldn't say so. Okay. So but, we're talking actually fairly expressive because there was that was no expression. I, I I don't yeah I don't I don't know I mean like you really just see his face watching like and but I don't you, you'll have to see you probably you probably YouTube it at some point and just like see for yourself like what what just I'm, I'm curious now how much expression a child watching someone die needs to have. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, they kept it healthy too. They were satisfied with it. Well, when you watch this movie again, too. So another fun fact was, um, they they said the film's name is Twelve Monkeys. They say that throughout the movie, actual monkeys appear on the camera twelve total times. Okay. So you'll have to see do a little count. Um, other notable actors that were um, considered for Jeffrey Goins' character, the main guy, um, was Johnny Depp. And uh, Robert De Niro actually turned down the leading role for this movie. Huh. I wonder if he regretted that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I feel like um, I feel like Bruce Willis did a decent job. So I'm not mad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not mad. Um, Last fact. Um, So it was um, it was Terry Gillum's director intention to make the film's plot ambiguous. So there are many hints to suggest that Cole is simply mad and that none of the events in the future actually happen. For that reason, Gillum wanted to end the film immediately after Cole's death scene with young Cole looking, looking at Dr. Rayleigh. However, for coverage, a scene was filmed showing the female future scientist obtaining a sample of the virus from Dr. Peters in the plane, the dad's friend, uh, thus completing Cole's mission. As well as a final scene with young Cole outside the airport. Gilliam initially thought that he would only use one of the two endings, but in the end, both scenes got such a good response during test screenings that he kept them both in. Huh. So, it, 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 this is, we watched another movie uh, for podcasts that had a similar kind of feel to it. What, where it was like, were they actually insane? Like, or did all of this actually happen? I think that was the movie you picked that was like the scary one. What was that one? Oh, The Haunting? The Haunting. Like, was she actually insane? Yeah. Did yeah. Was she actually happen? insane or was it really the house? 
Because mm-hmm. the characters or the other characters weren't decided. Kind of that feel. Okay. Kind of that, that feel of that that was what he was going for. He wanted you to not be sure. But the ending scenes kind of solidify things a little more as like he wasn't insane, I think. But to each their own. Maybe someone thinks it never happened. Because they did, he did a good job of acting insane. Um, but with that, I'm going to go into: Is this movie considered a classic? Based on the following criteria: acting, music, dialogue, attention to historical details, costuming, scenery, and did it have a cultural impact? Um, hmm. I go back and forth on this one. So I hadn't heard of Twelve Monkeys before. But um, I know Brad had, um, and he is more of, he, he's more up to date with movies than I was, which is, you know, one of the reasons why I joined the movie club for our classic Sundays to better educate myself on movies and have more of uh, references to pull from. Um, I want to say... I feel like I'm going to call this a cult classic. Okay. I might get shot now by someone like saying like, no, it's definitely a classic. How could you ever call it a cult classic? I'm going to call it a cult classic because I had never even heard of this movie before. Okay. But I feel like it has phenomenal acting. I don't know. I go back and forth. I'm on the fence. I'm saying cult classic though, but I'm still on the fence. I could be convinced either way. Um, I definitely believe it needs to have the name, the title of classic attached to it in some fashion, whether it's cult or not, but I feel like this one, it's acting alone and they're, I, obviously they don't know what 2035 actually looks like, but their portrayal of the nineties was very fitting. Um, very fitting to the time period as far as dress, as far as speech, script, as far as um, just the overall feel of that portion of the movie. Well, what, yeah, because they would have been, so the other time periods were not very active, including the going back further in time. Like what it was, was it, the nineteen seventeen? The majority of the time was like the nineteen ninety, nineteen ninety six. Like okay. when he got sent to the wrong era and then got sent to the correct one for the virus. I don't know. Mm. I'm I'm a stick. I said cult classic, I'm gonna stick with cult classic. But okay. it's a very good movie, in my opinion. Okay. So definitely added to the movies to watch. Definitely movies to watch for sure. I I don't I just I think I say I think I'm leaning towards cult classic because I feel like I feel like there's not enough like reference of it references of it in pop culture or references of it in other movies. And I know I do the fun fact segment, so that would have like popped up, and I just didn't see it. And some other movies that are like blaringly classics, like you see it. Yeah, with this one. 
Yeah, I'll admit, I've never heard of this movie until you yeah. mentioned it. Yeah, phenomenal acting, but I, I just hadn't heard of enough of it otherwise. But. Someone who watches more Bruce Willis movies also could have possibly seen that. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Or, you know, it's a bigger Brad Pitt fan or whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, um, we will see you guys next Sunday when we announce what our December theme is going to be in our movie lineup. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. Just want to let you guys know that we upload on Sundays, so we will see you here again.